Sweet. All right, let's get to it. Everybody good? All right, perfect. All right, don't get me fixed in the back. I, have a, I go up and down. People EQing me in the back like I'm the worst. Um, uh, but again, I'm glad here. Glad everybody online. Actually, I uh, got people back uh, in Tallahassee actually watching this. My son, who's in uh, New Orleans, Florida State, I uh, graduated from Florida State. Florida State plays LSU today. So gold knows. So my son's there at the football game. Um, again, if you don't know, like, again, this may not be a little bit different up here than it is down south. Football is like, it is Jesus and football. It's a competition, you know, in the south, all right? And Chick-fil-A, those three kind of just all work together. Um, but no, it's an honor to be here uh, with you. And I really do feel like the Lord has really given me a word uh, that I really want to share with you all today. So I'm going to pray for us and I'm going to stop sounding like God, you know, in there. So Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are. Uh, we say, come Holy Spirit. We say, reveal God the Father, reveal Jesus the Son. Father, you are worthy of all of our praise, God. God, I pray that hope would arise in this place today. God, I am sensing something very clear in that of hope. So, Father, we love you. We honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right. If you don't mind, if you would, just stand with me as we read God's word this morning. Here we go. We'll pull it up. Let's go ahead and pull that up on the screen so I can read with it. Here we go. But thank God he has made us as captives that continues to lead along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now, he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are Christ-like fragrance, rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? This is the reading of God's word. Title of my sermon is simply this. It is called Fragrance of the Invisible. Fragrance of the Invisible. So as uh, Pastor Simon said, um, I am good friends with Pastor Seth Trimmer in Grace City Corvallis. Um, And so one of the things that happened, I don't know if you were like me, in COVID, a lot of stuff happened, right? During 2020. Like, you know, good things, bad things, a lot of stuff. We'll get to that today, okay? But like, I don't know if you picked up any new like habits, hobbies, or you know, you started buying stuff. Like, I mean, I just lost my mind a little bit in 2020, right? Now I live in Florida, okay? So like COVID was like, like the protocol just lose suggestions for us, you know what I'm saying? Like European traffic laws, okay? Um, I'm not saying it's right, but that's kind of how it was in Florida. Um, but I ended up getting a dog. Now you have to understand, I swore off this like forever. I have three children. I don't need another child. But a few months into COVID, got a dog. And I wish I could say it was like, oh, my wife did this or my kids did this. No, it was me. It was 100% me. And so we got this dog. And I feel like I spend more money on this dog than I spend on anybody else in my home, right? And now the dog, though my wife didn't want the dog, now my wife honestly would probably get rid of me before she got rid of this dog. I mean, it is her best friend now. Um, But besides that, there's a lot of other things that happened. But here's another thing that happened to me. 
I started getting into like cologne, okay? Like it's weird, all right? I know, just walk with me, okay? It's gonna make sense. But I started getting into cologne. And so like, I don't know why, I don't know what happened, what made me decide to get into cologne. It's just one day I was like, I think I had like, I had like one or two bottles of cologne that I never used. I was like, oh man, it's nice. So I started smelling And then I just got into it, right? So I started buying cologne and whatever and, and trying it. Well, I go once a year, uh, three of my closest friends, Pastor Seth Trimmer, Pastor Adam Mabry, and Pastor Clayton Bell's in Tampa, and Pastor Adam's in Boston, we all get together, right? We have a brocade. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Once a year, we go somewhere. And so we go and we're in Colorado together. And so I'm going, man, I'm with them. But that's a whole other story I don't have time to tell. It was amazing because I'm the only black guy, right? So we're in the mountains too. So you know how that goes. All right. And we were next to a wolf sanctuary. Let's just leave it at that. All right. So, but anyway, I take my colognes with me, some of them, right? And so I'm there, and I've got some of the cologne again. I know some of you are quite like, wow, you got cologne with your friends? Yeah, I do. I always want to smell good. Sorry, okay? Um, and so I, I, I got the cologne, and, I'm, um, and so I'm there, and all of a sudden, I got a of cologne on, and then Pastor Seth was like, yo. He was like, he was like oh, he's like, you know, you're wearing, and he named the cologne I was wearing. And I'm like, oh, are you in the cologne? He's like, dude, you have no idea. <laughs> now, you understand, it's one of my best friends. I had no clue. I go, and then, like, so we're in different rooms, and he comes out of his bathroom, my man's got more cologne with him than I did. And so now we're sitting out there for like an hour and a half talking about different like colognes and scents and what do you like and da da da. And he's putting me on, like he's way more an expert than I am. And I'm like, this is amazing. And so then our two other friends come out and they're like, what is wrong with you two, right? And so they've affectionately called us scent bros now. So me and Seth are scent bros. But here's the thing that happened this summer. Me and uh, Pastor Seth, we were in Orlando at our Every Nation conference and, and, and I was going downstairs, but before I got around the corner, like he calls my name. He didn't see me, but he calls my name. And I'm like, yo, I'm like, yo, you know, prophet, how did you know I was coming around the corner? He's like, dude, I smell the cologne. I know what you're wearing, Mansoreya, red tobacco. That's your favorite, because I got that for you, right? I'm like, yo, that's amazing, right? All right, I know, you're like, what does this have to do with Jesus? Anything has a lot, I promise, stick with me. But here's the deal. So before I ever got around the corner, right, like he could smell that it was me because of the cologne I have on, right? I don't know if you have those things, right, where if you think back to your uh, growing up at your home, and maybe it was like what your, your mother or your father, somebody would cook, or if you go in there, there's a scent, right, and it brings back memories. I don't know if you've been there where you know you go to like Cinnabon or something right there, you smell Cinnabon. I'm like, ooh, brings me back to high school. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and some of you don't want to remember that. But like, or, or like you think about barbecue, for example, okay? As you see, I like food. So you think about barbecue, right? Like, listen, I'm black, okay? So we all know that you see that. So we said that, I'm black. So I feel like I'm genetically predisposed to like, like liking barbecue and understanding what barbecue smells like and everything. And so I'm like, when I smell barbecue, like it doesn't matter. You know how bad barbecue is? You can walk outside right now and you can smell barbecue. And you also, I'm saying, I, I can do this, maybe you can't. I can smell if it's good or not. I can. I'm like, mm, mm, that's going to be real, mm, a lot of unseasoned barbecue over there, all right? I'm going to go this. Because the thing about barbecue, you smell it, and it just takes over everything. And though you can't see it, you know barbecue is around the corner or somewhere near you. And you know it's going to taste good, and you look forward to that. But see, I actually think in life, and what I actually think happened a lot when 2020 started, is I believe there was a scent that began to rise. See, the scent that began to rise and what is actually still rising in our country 
what is actually rising in your city. This is my first time being back and being able to stay in Portland for a few days since 2020. And I actually love this city. I really do. Like, I actually like coming out here. But what's different of being here is this, that I didn't feel, there was always a, a thing spiritually, but what I sense here, maybe even heavy, not sense in a lot of other places I travel, is this scent of hopelessness. That people are just hopeless. And I know many of you in this room, you feel hopeless. 2020 did a number on you. Maybe you lost somebody. Maybe somebody passed away because of COVID. Some of you lost friends. Because for some of your friends, you're way too progressive. And for some of your friends, you're way too conservative. Some of you, you're working right now and you're exhausted. You work on Microsoft Teams and you're just on there all the time. All the time. From 8 a.m. to 7 p.m., you're on Microsoft Teams all the time. You hate even the word Teams. Right now, I am triggering you by saying Teams or Zoom, right? You are thinking about tomorrow. You are full of hope. And now I just brought hopelessness because you're like, I got to go get on Teams or Zoom tomorrow. But you're working harder. And some of you are in an industry where supply chain really affected you. And so you're trying to figure this all out. We all hopeless. The economy is changing. The game is completely changed. I want you to understand this. 2020 has changed the world. We will never go back to what it once was. I look and I study, and that's one of the things I do because I work with Fortune 500 companies and, and, and with the work I do. So I study markets and trends and all these things. And let me tell you this right now, every industry, everything has completely changed forever. Everything has changed. And we are actually playing what uh, Mark Sayer says, we are in a gray zone right now. We actually don't know what the rules of the game are going to be. And when you don't know what the rules of the game are going to be, it can let you be hopeless. Because listen, we are Americans, right? We want control. We want to control, we want rhythm. So it was a figment of our imagination before that we had control, but at least felt like we had some levels of control, right? And so now I don't have any control because I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to say or what to do. I used to have these friends, now I don't have these friends anymore. And I don't know what they actually think about me. And we could go on and on and, and, it, and we're just in a state and all of you, and right now maybe you lost a spouse and they walked away because of everything. They're just exhausted. We all are exhausted. Everyone across the country is exhausted. And here's the thing, and what the scent that is coming up from our place is just hopelessness. But what I think happens is this with hopelessness. We feel it and sense it, but many times we don't get to the basement of why. See, actually what I believe has happened in our nation is the ideologies were just revealed for what they are and they're false. It's hopeless. And what have we done? Our anxiety just caused us to double down more. And so once Joe Biden's, if he's out of office, man, we're gonna get back. Or man, President Trump's out of office, whoo, we're gonna be better. And I know when I say this, it probably does something, it's racing in your heart, like, okay, where does this dude about to go? Talking about this, listen, you understand this about me. I just, I'm very 100% honest, I really don't care, all right? Like, so I'm like, I'm here visiting, right? So I'll be my best, I mean, I'm sorry, but I may roll four grenades out and say, hey, see you guys later. I'll be on a plane tonight on the way home on a red eye, right? But like, I want you to understand this, because I, listen, I live in this. I am a black man who lives in the South, 
I am bivocational. I run a firm and a company and I start businesses and I sell businesses and all those things. But I also pastor a church that is 65% white. I pastor a church that is literally that I have make America great again. Listen, you guys, listen, what you think of like MAGA, like I live in it, okay? Like you go, oh, MAGA, like you don't even live in this. Like I live in MAGA stand, you live in Wokistan, okay? We live in two different, and like we live down there. And, and so I'm here, and so I live in this church. I got these people from all different walks of life, and I've got, I've got these, these older white men who actually love me, and they call me their pastor, and they vote red every single time. And I got young black men who really love Jesus but are passionate for justice who may vote blue, and here's the thing, by some unbelievable reason, they dwell together and do life together. And they say we couldn't do it, but we're in the South. Like, I'm in South, I'm in North Florida. That ain't like the rest of Florida. It's like, I'm just, we're like in South Georgia, all right? But here's what I want to tell you. I am melancholy by just, I think the world sucks. I do. I think the world's dark and bleak, and I naturally am the guy. Like, that's why I like coming up here. It's raining all the time. I've been frustrated being here. I'm like, why is the sun out, you know? I came up here for like it to be dark and cloudy, and it wasn't, okay? And the reason why I tell you that that's how my mind is is because I've been in this weird state over the last three or four months, and it's weird to me, and I don't like it, honestly, but, it's been, but I have been more full of hope than I've ever been in my life. And nothing around me would say I should be hopeful. But what I've come to realize is that my hope is not based on my circumstances or based in the country I live or based on what, how much money's in the bank account or not or friends and lost and on and on, but it is based on this hope of Jesus. And what I want to challenge you with, Grace City Portland, is this. Will you be the fragrance of the invisible for this city? Will you be that? Because here's the point. You can go through the rest of your Christian existence, and I want you to hear me very clear, and miss everything God has for you on this side of eternity. It's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed for you to get everything God has you on this side of eternity. There is a part that we actually have to play in this process. And what the world is actually in need of right now is this idea of hope. But the thing is, is that hope has to arise inside of you first before hope can ever arise inside of outside this city. And there's other great churches and other people do it. But will they be able to, like that barbecue, right? Will they be able to in this city begin to smell and get around you and say, I don't understand why this is going on. I don't even know why I like being around you, but I do. And there's like, why are you so hopeful when all this stuff is going bad? And all of a sudden, it's a fragrance of the kingdom of God. So what will you do? And see, the apostle Paul talks about this. See, the scripture we read today is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And now, during that time, people begin to question the legitimacy of Paul's ministry. They question his legitimacy because of the suffering he was facing. I mean, Paul faced tons of suffering. And people begin to say, man, if you're really like from God, God's not really blessing you. Why are you going through this? You ever had one of those friends? Where you're like, dog, what you do? You know what I'm saying? Where something just keeps going wrong with them? You're like, and you don't even want to be around them? Like the friend that always something bad's happening? You're like, no, man, just stay away from me. All right, I don't know what you got, but or maybe this is me. I'm sorry. I apologize, you know. But like, you know, but like Paul, that's what people thought. I mean, like this guy keeps suffering and he just keeps talking about Jesus. And people begin to question it. Also, Paul took no money from the church in Corinth. 
As we know, Paul was a tent maker, and, and as he made tents, because he did not want to exploit them. But people begin, those who were elite, who were part of the Jesus community, begin to question Paul's legitimacy because during that time, you actually paid for your teachers. And so since Paul was actually trying to live countercultural, they begin to now question Paul's legitimacy. So when he's writing in 2 Corinthians, he's writing to defend the ministry that he had. And in this passage of scripture, which was incredibly provocative, because he uses the analogy of this idea of being marched behind a procession. See, Paul understands he's an incredible communicator and teacher because he hits both of the people listening, those who were Greek and those who were Jews. See, he talks about this procession. Now, in the time when a, 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 a nation would invade and win a battle and they would begin to take over and conquer other kings and their governments and other warlords and their best fighters, they would ultimately march them into a city. So imagine a championship parade, right? I'm sorry, I know like you guys haven't had one of those in a minute. You know the trouble, I love it. I'm sorry. I know you don't know what that feels like. I apologize, okay? You know, like listen, you know, just go watch it, okay? You know, you'll see, okay? But again, I mean, sorry. I love Damian Lillard too, I do, I really do. Like I pray for Dame, please win one for him. But like, it's the championship parade, you know, so everybody's coming in and what would happen, the king would come in and he would, and his, and his generals never, they would march into a city, but what would be behind them would be the defeated. So the king and the great fighters and warlords would be drugged behind them. And at the end of that, they would either sell them into slavery or in front of everyone, they would kill them. This was such a provocative example that John Calvin actually began to interpret this different because he said there's no way Paul would say what he said using this analogy because he actually, we read in other translations said that, that we triumph, that man, thanks be to God, that we triumph. And he's like, there's no way that he could be thanking God for triumphing, marching behind, knowing what that means, knowing that, what is Paul talking about, that he's being drugged in the city behind like a common war criminal? What is he talking about? And as time has gone on, what people begin to realize, and commentators, because this lasts for like 300 years, what commentators begin to realize is this, is Paul absolutely was using this analogy. But when he was using this analogy, he wasn't saying he's walking alongside. See, Calvin says, man, he was walking alongside with Jesus. And what Paul was actually writing says, no, 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 I am actually behind him being led wherever he would take me. And see, this is very much so in the writings of Paul, because if you read in Acts 20, I think it's 21 or 22, Paul writes and says, I'm compelled by the spirit to go. And he uses the word compel. And that word compel means to be handcuffed. That he says, I'm handcuffed by the spirit to go to Rome. And everyone was telling him, you're going to die there. But he says, I'm handcuffed. It is like me with my 11 year old. If I hold her hand, she's going wherever I go. And here's the question I'm going to ask you. Are you that handcuffed to the spirit of God? Some of you in this room, you're way more handcuffed to your political ideologies than you are the spirit of God. Because wherever MAGA drags you, you go. Wherever progressive left goes, you go. And what you do is you justify it. But at the end of the day, whatever pulls you is what you worship and that's your king. Welcome. Glad you guys are here today, okay? For all your visitors, I'm a really nice guy, all right? So glad you're here. So what does this mean and what does this look like for us? If we're going to be the fragrance of the invisible, because the apostle Paul uses this language. He says at the end of being drunk, he's like, it's like a pleasing aroma. And you're like, but it's a stench to some, but it's life to others. Like, what are you talking about? So you remember, like I said, Paul was also talking to Jewish 
listeners, and what did they understand about that fragrance? It's that when they would burn and they would give an offering and a sacrifice, there was an aroma that went to heaven. And Paul's saying, my life is not my own. But what he said he was representing was the fragrance of the unseen. He was representing what the actual kingdom looks like. And here's what I want you all to understand, and I need you to hear this. Do you represent the kingdom of God wherever you go? Are you a fragrance of the unseen? We all will pray and talk. If you're a Jesus following here, man, as heaven invades earth and all those things. But here's the point. You're actually called to live as if you're already in heaven. This is just the opening act. You are called to live the way you are going to live in heaven. And does the world get to see the kingdom through your life? See, I believe the future belongs to the Jesus followers who embody the kingdom, who just don't talk the kingdom. I'm saying again, the future belongs, and I think God's going to use those who will embody the kingdom of God instead of just talking about the kingdom of God. I am all for all our debate. I am all for all your intellectual arguments, and I'm all for us being great defenders of our faith and being great theologians. But if your theology and your defense and all those things don't ever lead to it getting into your heart to where you embody, then your theology is wrong. Because all theology should lead to an embodiment. So I want to ask you, when you go to work at the tech company tomorrow, will you embody the kingdom? Will you just be one who constantly just criticizes culture? Or will you be somebody wherever God sends you that you will go and you will give culture something different to look at? Will you embody it? See, I think there's three things in the idea of embodying this kingdom to be a fragrance of the unseen. The first thing is simply this, is that we're going to have to embody the moral, character of, the moral character of the kingdom. Now, I'm not going to spend time on these first two because my third one is really important for me. But the moral character of the kingdom, right? We know this. The, if you don't know, again, the idea of you can read the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. The idea, are we constantly, uh, are we embodying the morals of the kingdom of God? See... What does this city need? I don't have time to go into all the things of sexuality and all those things right now. I don't want to throw way too many bombs out there today, okay? But what I will tell you is this. In this city, and I believe across right now, holiness has got to be a marker of your moral character. And I'm not just talking about sexual, moral, and sexual purity. I am talking about the idea of holiness when it comes to why you give and why you serve and what you say and how you speak. Do you speak of others? Like, I want you guys to hear this. If you speak to someone about someone in a way that strips them of their humanity, you are functioning in the demonic, not the kingdom of God. So let me say this. So when you speak, that doesn't mean you can't call things out. But you know what I'm saying? It's the difference between calling something out and I'm about to air you out. All right, when I call you out, man, I'm just saying, man, this is wrong and this is da-da. But when I air you out, I'm getting all my emotions, my anxieties, my frustrations, everything. And I'm about to just flamethrow you in a minute. And I'm going to make you feel horrible when you walk away. And the whole world will know you're the worst human that's ever lived. And let me tell you this, and in no way does that model anything of the kingdom of God. In the midst of 2020, I had people look at me. And for some white people, I was way too black. For black people, I was way too white. 
And everything in me wanted to undress them. And there was times, unfortunately, I did. And I hate that. But there has been times when I've learned so much. It doesn't mean I don't call out what I see, but I do it in a way that's redemptive. Some of you are truth tellers. I just keep it real, I'm a truth teller. But here's a question I'm asking all your truth telling. Has anyone ever been one to Jesus because of your truth telling? Jesus spoke truth, Paul spoke truth, but you know what happened? People came to Jesus. See, our moral character matters and what, and you have to look at We all are called to live according to the ethics of the kingdom, but sometimes in the places that God will send you, there's going to have to be a higher ethic for you. There's going to have to be a higher ethic because of what's been, what's not there. So in the city that I live in, yes, I live in a college town, 80,000 college students. And so I challenge our church on holiness and purity. But the one thing is very true. I live in a world to where, where people begin to say some things in politics or the state capital and all this stuff. And, and here's the thing, what I say and what comes out of my mouth matters a ton. So I have to be mindful of that. See, here's the next thing is this, is that how you embody, how do you embody relationally? Like, how are you going to live and how are you going to embody relationally? See, one of the greatest things embodying the kingdom is relationship. I'm going to ask you a question. Is everyone around you, do they think like you? Like, I know it's hard. Listen, I mean, like, does anybody ever look different than you? Does everyone think the way you think? If you do that, and that is how it works, listen, you're not literally living the kingdom if everybody around you thinks the way you do. Here's why. If you don't believe me, look at Jesus' life and the people who hung out with him. His 12 disciples were all everywhere. You look at the first church, the church of Antioch, there were over 19 different ethnicities represented. Do you relationally embody the kingdom? You know what happens in relation, how you have to embody the kingdom is this, you have to make room. Paul writes and he says later, he says that, man, make allowances for one another. Give room to someone else. Do you give room to your friends when they make mistakes? Are you redemptive with them? That coworker who annoys you, that coworker who always has got a question right at the end of the meeting. Man, we was about to be done three minutes early so I could go to the bathroom and eat and, you know, and pay my taxes because I only got three minutes. So I'm in the next meeting at one o'clock and you want to ask a dumb question, Susan, about something that we should have gotten an email. <laughs> Do you love Susan? <laughs> How do you feel? about those who have a very different view than you do, politically, on how social things should play out. A family member, someone in this church. Are you ever really just honest about your own mistakes and faults? Do you wonder sometimes, like, man, you know, do you blame the church because you don't have, or Jesus because you don't have a bunch of friends? That's always interesting to me that the church is meant to build this place to make friends for you. I'm like, really? Maybe you don't have friends because you're not a good one. Sorry. But like, I mean, like, but, but when it comes to relationships, this stuff matters. And I want you to go deep. When it comes to your marriage, it matters. Like, 
I'm gonna tell you a little bit about what I do at the end of this, but like I have a wife who runs a dance studio that has over 300 some odd kids at her dance, so she has two of them. And so like being my wife, we both, we started businesses, we church, all this stuff, we have three kids, so we're very high-functioning leaders. And let me tell you this, how many of you guys know when you live in a home with a high-functioning person and you're a high-functioning person, you both think you're right? How many of you guys know that's gonna cause conflict at times? Exactly, you're like, man, and then again, the guy that's with me is a good friend of mine, Dr. Mike Zoda, one of the leading family therapists in the country, and he was actually our therapist. And so one time, Doc is sitting there, he's like, what do you think's gonna happen? You both are high-functioning, you're gonna have conflict. I'm like, that's why I pay you this money. You're right, because I'm dumb. Because I'm, like, like, I'm like, wow, listen, and even in your marriage, do you like make allowances for your spouse, or do you just think like, man, you know what? They're just never gonna get it. But see, one of the greatest ways right now is to fight for relationship. But see, here's the last and final thing. And this is really important for me is you have to be willing to embody this idea of adding value. We have a mantra at our church. Our whole mission in our church engages to launch innovative reconcilers into the world. People who are connected to God and connect others to God. They're connected to one another and they're ministers of reconciliation and they're connected to their meaningful work. We feel like we have a mantra and our goal is to see hundreds of thousands of innovative reconcilers launch into the world. And we are strategic about it. We have a plan that you come to our church. That is what it is. I don't care. You can have all the stuff. We exist to launch innovative reconcilers in the world. Why? It's because I believe in the future, the greatest evangelistic tool of the church is going to be the value you add. And as you add value at the tech company, as you add value when you go work and you're working as, a, as an insurance agent, as you add value, as as you're a stay-at-home mom, as you go as a school teacher, you add value, you know what you do, you just tell the story. You just tell the story. Because why? People don't believe truth anymore. Like you can tell them truth with five things that are footnoted and they still will say what? It's fake news on both sides. And so, but what people cannot deny is that when you've added value to their life, when you've met needs, when will it be where the church actually becomes the people, where I actually believe it's happening, where we will go into industries and places and begin to add value to those places. And as we add value, people will begin to ask the question. They don't understand why we do it. They may disagree with their God, but they love you because you add value. And they say, tell me the story. If you don't believe me, this is what happened in my favorite book in the Bible is Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah chapter eight, what happens? Nehemiah does all this infrastructure, meeting needs in a city. They did infrastructure. They got them out of debt. There was a recession that was happening. They built this wall, military, all these things. And in Nehemiah chapter eight, what happens? The people come and ask Nehemiah, bring the law of God out. Ezra didn't bring it out. They asked Ezra to bring it out. And it's because they came to the city and they met real needs. And the people said that. Why we are seeing a move of God among the stuff that we do in Tallahassee is because our people, we tell them, go add value. Let me tell you this. What makes something sacred or secular is simply your heart. When you go to work tomorrow, it is incredibly sacred. As much as me standing on this stage, it is sacred. If you are, if you are a housekeeper, it is sacred. You know why? It's because you can reflect the kingdom. Because why? If you're cleaning someone's home, there's chaos. And what are you doing? You're bringing order, just like God did to the earth. When you, you are embodying the kingdom, when you're bringing there, you know what you're bringing? Peace 
to that home. When you're going, and man, maybe you're running for office. One of my best friends in the world is running for state senate in Florida, and it's an amazing thing. And so he's running in Florida, and here's the thing I told him, is that as he's going and he's running, I looked at him, and I, he's been my best friend for over 20-some odd years. I looked at him, I said, if you go and you win, and you go into office and you govern like a politician, I will pray you out. <laughs> he's my best friend. And so he's, it's funny, it's weird pastoring your closest friends. But what is he being an innovative reconciler? He's not talking about, man, government this. He's going to be launched into government to actually build laws that go to the betterment of people, regardless of what political party puts the issue up. I'm going to ask you, how are you embodying the kingdom? How are you adding value in the city? And let me tell you this, the greatest place you add value is where you're at right now. Where you're at right now. Everybody wants to change the world, but very few people want to do what it takes to change the world. And you know what you're not responsible for? How much of the world you get. You don't know how much you're going to get, but you are responsible for what you do with it. Add value. Now, as I come to a close, and, and the guys who are coming up here and close, they'll start playing the keys or whatever so the Holy Spirit will show up. And, um, <laughs> all right. So, Spirit hadn't been here, but now it's coming to the keys, all right? Now, as I come to a close, it's this. I'm going to give you a very practical way of this idea of being a sin of the unknown. Actually being here. So, as I said, in the main COVID, a lot of different things started. Well, one of the things that's happened for me outside of buying a dog and getting into cologne and whatever, is that I started a company. See, in 2020... After the murder of George Floyd, I was sitting in Destin, Florida, and I was holding my, my youngest daughter, and we're looking out the beach. People are asking me, why have you not said anything about George Floyd? And it's because, man, I watched a man die in front of me, and I mourned. We have lost the ability in our country to mourn when somebody dies. And I'm sitting there with my daughter, and I was so hopeless. Just holding her, I was hopeless. I build diverse space. I do the whole thing, you know, church world, racial reconciliation. I do it. And I was so mad at God. It's like, yo, what are we doing? Are we wasting time? What? It doesn't matter. And as I'm holding my little girl, it's like a movie beginning to play. See, I'm a descendant of slaves. My great-great-grandfather, him and his four other siblings were slaves and they all were sold off. My great-grandfather... Past, he's a sharecropper and he pastored in Mississippi and Memphis during Jim Crow. I'm like, yo, that's like pastoring in hell. My grandfather pastored as well. And though I didn't grow up in church and he get saved till I was 19, it's in this line. My father was a basketball coach and why he, why he coached? Because he loved to take care of people. He was a pastor. He just was rebelling against his father. And as this movie played and I'm sitting there holding my little girl, and my youngest is, has an incredible high uh, EQ. I'm realizing I'm living in a home where I have a 17-year-old son and I have a 14-year-old daughter and an 11-year-old daughter. And what I realized was this, is that what was getting ready to happen in the world was this, is that everyone was getting ready to run, to start talking about how you build diverse and equitable spaces who have never done it before. That they talk about it, but they've never built it. And though nothing in me, I was hopeless. 
I was compelled by the Spirit, though nothing in me wanted to go. I'm going to send you into corporate America and you're going to manifest the kingdom there. Because if anybody should know how to build diverse spaces, God's people. It shouldn't be us. It shouldn't be us going to anybody else. Why? It's because of what Jesus did. It's the idea that he broke the dividing wall of hostility, not pushing our ethnicity saying, you know, I don't see color because that's dumb because in Revelation it'll be your new heavens, new earth. God made us with skin color and different ethnicities. Why? It's because it's a beautiful thing and it shows all the character of God. So I love being around my white brothers and sisters. I love being around my black brothers and sisters. Why? Because it gives me a reflection of the kingdom and my Filipino brothers and sisters and my other Asian brothers and sisters. It gives us a reflection of the kingdom and why is God's people, why can we not do this? Because yet and still, we don't embody it because you know what it means? You're going to have to die to your preferences and what you want. And so in all this hopelessness, I go into corporate America and here's the thing. I had no idea. I didn't know like, yo, I like, yo, I pick up the phone and is there like a corporate America hotline? You know what I'm saying? Like, but like three weeks later, I was introduced to someone friend of mine introduced me to a, a guy who was the CEO of a very large company. And he was trying to figure out what to do with this whole thing. Sitting in the office, their C-suite, just all white men. He's like, I don't know what to do. He's like, but I want this to be real. And we just talked. And I had done some consulting prior to this, but not like this. And so we jumped in. And we just started building a company. And over the last week, God's been super, super gracious. I tell you that story because as we're here working with somebody this week, the idea of being an aroma. We're working with a set of executives and there's always somebody when you walk in a room, you're like, mm, you're gonna be the problem today, huh? And as you can tell by the way I preach, I suffocate falsely out of the room really fast. I make it super uncomfortable really fast. So this guy that's there, he's a, you can tell, his faith mattered a ton to him. But I also know that he thinks this is a real push from a far progressive left agenda and the idea of diversity, this, whatever, whatever. So I've dealt with this before, so I'm just talking to him. But everything I'm building and he's seeing me do this, not trying to make somebody this way or that way, but what does authentic diversity look like for this company? He was the hardest person to deal with as we're going through it, and here's what happens, we're leaving. And we're sitting in the hallway, and he looks at me, he's Adrian, this whole time, what God keeps speaking to me is revelation where he said he'll gather all tribes and all nations together. And he was like, as you have been working here with us, I realize my job in this company is to be a blessing, is to gather all tribes and all nations together. So this guy who was here, here's what he did by our team just going, he smelt the aroma of the kingdom. And what was it? It was life to him. And now this guy who thought it was this way, now realize how this is so the kingdom by building this way. And you know what he's gonna do now? 
he's going to go do it. And I guarantee you, he'll be the biggest advocate for it. Why? It's because he sees a tie, because he smelt the aroma. So as we close, here's the thing. Will you be that? But for you to be that, you're going to have to have hope. And some of you right now, you are so hopeless. So what I want to do in this moment, I want to pray for you for this simple thing that hope would arise. So if you bow your heads with me, if you close your eyes, and if you are here and you're saying, you know what, Adrian, that's me. I've been hopeless, man, but I want to be an embodiment of the kingdom. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. I know this may be a little bit different, but I want you to stand to your feet. I want to pray with you today. Because listen, I don't believe pr- prayer is incredibly powerful. God bless you and God bless you and God bless you. And God bless you. Is there anybody else saying, listen, I need hope. And, li- and I know, listen, we're not, this is family in here. So we're not here to embarrass you. Nobody's going to be taking notes or anything like that. But what we're doing is saying, no, God, I want hope to rise. Listen, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. It is not like, listen, when we pray right now, we pray to God, we are righteous because Jesus imputed his righteousness to us. We are righteous because he was righteous. So our prayers are heard. It said the prayers of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. It's because of Jesus' righteousness. So when we pray, and as Pastor Simon's saying, hey, let's pray for 28 days, understand this. When you are praying, it is the prayers of righteous people that God moves on their behalf. And understand this, why you can pray in confidence and why we pray confidence now is because we are righteous, not because of our behavior, not because of what you did last night, not because of the thing you said a couple weeks ago that you regret. You are righteous because of Jesus' finished work on the cross. So we pray with faith. And so if you are able to lift your hands, I want you to lift your hands in a sign to receive in Jesus. I just speak and pray hope over this place. God, this church has been through some things over the last two years. And God, what I am praying for right now, that hope would arise. That God, they would begin to have such hope inside of them to where they would wake up tomorrow morning and they would feel so weird to them because they haven't felt this type of hope in so long. And God, it would cause them to go to work tomorrow. It would cause them as they're at home with their kids to begin to embody the kingdom. That God, they would begin to make room for others. They would begin to sacrifice God. They would begin to lay down their lives. They would go to work tomorrow and the level of excellence would rise up, God. And there would be hope tomorrow, God. They'll jump on those calls and there'll be hope tomorrow, God. In this church, let hope arise. Let here at Great City Portland, let hope begin to arise and let it begin to impact this neighborhood, this community where people will begin to come here because they can't even explain it, but there's something spiritually happening that hope is here. Is that a world in a city outside that seemed like it's dead and dying and it's the stench of death. Let the stench of life arise in here, God. Let the stench of life that comes to your kingdom come in this place, God. And God, we don't pray this in a way that just is emotion, God, but God, we pray with passion. We pray with expectation, Jesus. We thank you. And God, I pray my simple prayer It's three months and six months a year from now that God, that when you walk in this place, it would just be so full of hope. We love you. We honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen Amen. and amen. Thank you guys so much. I do want to, I'm going to say one last thing to you. Here's the one practical thing for you to do this week. Because when, you know, pastors get up here, you get you really excited. You're like, all right, what do I do? Right? You know, here's this. Maybe three days, maybe three times a day. That when you would go for the next seven days, when you wake up, you would simply say this, God, not my will, but yours be done today. We hear that, but really, and you may have said it seven times, when you get on that first team's call tomorrow, God, I want to cuss somebody out. Not my will, but your will be done, right? Don't do that. Go 
Lay your life down. Watch what God will do. Thank you guys so much.